Man, does anybody else, is anybody else just kind of worn out this morning? Like I, um, I just, I just, I'm just tired. I was standing, I was standing up here just kind of sitting, kind of going, man, I am just absolutely worn out. Now, I might be worn out because I was telling everybody, we went to the Colts game yesterday and my, my brother-in-law's got tickets and he sent me a message and he was like, hey, do you, uh, do you, do you want my tickets for, for the game? This is on Friday, he texted me. So you want the tickets for a game on, on Saturday? And I was like, do I want tickets for the game on Saturday? Yes, I want tickets for the game on Saturday. And uh, he's like, maybe you got some buddies or whatever. And I was like, no, I, we'll go as a family, you know? We'll take the girls and we'll have just a great time. And, and we go and, 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 you know, we're walking around downtown beforehand. And we got there, you know, at like one o'clock because you have to get there just so early to find good spots and walk around and do everything. And, you know, we're walking around the city and we're getting to the game and, uh, everybody's cool and everything's great. And then, guys, just everything went completely ridiculous yesterday. I mean, I, I looked at Emily, and, and this guy behind us, there was a bad call, and he yells out this cuss word, and Emily looks, and she goes, what he said? And I was like, what is going on? And I had this moment, guys, where I was like, I was partially like, like a little concerned. I was like, oh no, what are they going to start repeating at school? And then I was like, and then I was also like super proud in that moment. And I put my arm around Emily and I was like, Emily, it's so good to see you get excited and angry about sports. So later on, the guy yells it again. And she's like, what he said. And then she repeated it. And I was like, Emily. And I was like, okay, now we got to have a conversation. I don't know. And then it got really weird because as we're going along, everything's fine. And then there were like two fights in our section. And I was like, what is happening right now? Yeah, and Daniel's like, oh, this sounds like this is, this sounds like this was great. And it was fine, except it wasn't even Colts and Steelers fans fighting. Man, it was Colts and Colts fans. And I'm sitting there and I look around and I go, friends, everybody just stop. We are all Hoosiers here. Now, if you're a North Sider and you're a South Sider, I understand, all right? And if you're a North Sider, you go find somewhere else to sit, right? Okay, now we're fine. But we just, I looked at a Pittsburgh fan and I, I, I just, I felt so upset about the whole thing. I said, can we hug? Can we hug? Maybe we can just reset the whole environment right now. I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous. And then, and then we're walking around and, and afterwards we, <laughs> we should have just gone straight home. I said, let's just, let's walk around a little bit. We'll be fine. The kids are great, you know, and they've already had like a six hour day, you know, and, so we, we get around and we, we decide we'll go over by Gainbridge. We'll go by the ice skating rink, which is so beautiful, so cool. And we're sitting there and, and all of a sudden Santa walks around the corner and he's just looking at the kids. And I was like, it's Santa Claus just hanging out. Now, it wasn't like some weird Santa Claus hanging out. That's not what I mean. He was there, you know, it's supposed to be Santa Claus. And so we're like, this is so cool. And the kids, you know, go to sit with him and, and I, they're just, they're just hanging out, you know, and he looks at Emily and he's like, why don't you come sit down too? And she's like, I guess, you know, teenagers. And she goes and she sits down and he looks at her and he's like, and what do you want for Christmas? And she's like, okay, whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll walk out of the room so you can have a little moment with Santa Claus, you know, and whatever. So I walk out, you know, and they have their little moment and it's cute. And, and then we'd keep walking and everybody loses their minds. And I'm like, why do we have children in the first place? So let's just go home. Which all connects, actually, to what I'm going to talk about today, because as I think about them, as I think about yesterday, it's, it's such an interesting thing, guys. 
watching children, and, and as our kids left this space today, and as I saw some of you come in, I just, I, I love it, the word, I love playing up here, the word, because I like looking out and watching people come in. It just, I just, I'm being serious. Like I saw a new friend who I haven't seen a lot, or an old friend that I haven't seen in a long time today. And then as some of you were walking in, my heart just, it just makes me smile. I just love seeing you guys. And, and anyways, we were, we were, as we're thinking about the kids and everything, um, when, when I was looking at them yesterday and thinking about our kids too, watching them all grow up, I just, I get thinking about when they were small again. You know, I think about Emily as she's sitting there, you know, and there's this ice skating rink and Santa Claus, and I just, I just want her to be that little seven-year-old or six-year-old again. I think about Maggie, and I think about her being a little baby again. And there are just those times that, like, you look back, and it's really hard as a parent because in one point, like, yeah, like, I put my arm around Emily. She's my little teenager, and I'm laughing at her, and, you know, we're having fun at the game. And those times are great. Like, you love those as a parent. But you have this weird thing, like, you miss the times that they're small. You miss when they're little. You miss that innocence that they had. And it's just something that just, it, it's hard to explain and just, just such a, such a, um, fascinating part of things. And as we think about that, as we tie into that, that's one of the realities, I think, at Christmas that is so fascinating. We addressed this a little bit last week because we talked about children, and we talked about Jesus, and we talked about, his, about John, his cousin, who they're, they're these young children being born. And we, we oftentimes think of Jesus, we think about his life, we think about his death, we think about his resurrection. We sort of skip this time period where we, you know, we celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas, but we, we kind of miss some of those pieces of that. And so this week, as I've been thinking about this message and, and looking at this sermon, we've been talking about the expectation and the hope that we see in Jesus. One of the things that was really cool about last week that we looked into was the hope and the expectation that we saw with Elizabeth, John's mom. We saw that in Zechariah, his father. We see that in, in Mary as she uh, looks at Jesus and she sees this expectation. And so we're going to look at that today, this idea of, of what it was like as they looked and as they thought about, as they looked at these kids and they thought of all the hope and the expectation in their lives. And it's really fascinating, guys, because sometimes I think, and, and we look at Scripture and we see this, that, you know, you see Jesus and you see him born. We have really one story about him as a, as a child and, and a situation that occurs when they're at the temple and has kind of this home alone situation where his parents lose him and they don't know where he is. And then it goes on and, and you get to him as an adult and we miss all this time in between. And I just wonder, I, I just, I sit there and wonder, what was it like? What was the expectation of Mary like during that time as, as she looked at this child, this baby who became a toddler and, and became a young man? And you, you see all this. I just wonder, like, what was the expectation of her life? What was all of that like? And we don't have any of that. We don't really get any of that in the story. But what we do have is we have the joy and we have the expectation that we find in his birth. We have Mary thinking about and looking at his birth and seeing him and, and putting all of this hope and expectation into him. Um, as we get going, I was thinking about as we were doing this that I, I wonder sometimes about how they announced his birth, how they talked about his birth. And so for a lot of us, if you have kids, you, you probably remember that time that you, you did like a birth announcement of some kind. You, you, you shared that with people. And it used to be you just kind of like told people about it. 
You just kind of like, you know, we'll call somebody and say, by the way, we're having a baby. And people are like, okay, cool. Now it's like you get an invitation and it's like, so we're going putt-putt and we're going to have a ball that's like going to bounce and it's going to do a thing and it's going to tell you how many kids we're going to have and all this stuff. And people have kind of taken it to a whole new level. And nobody, nobody will ever be as excited as parents at the birth of children, right? Nobody, nobody's ever going to get there. But when we look at this story, this is what's kind of cool. You, you see the emotions in this story. You see the excitement. You see the sense of wonder that, that, that Mary has as she thinks about who Jesus will be as he grows up. We saw this in the story of John. We saw that there. But today, I want to see that more in Mary. I want to come to her, her song, her story, her announcement of Jesus' birth. And guys, just this incredible sense of joy that we see in this, the incredible sense of excitement that we see, and an incredible sense of hope that Mary places in this and what we can learn from it. So we're going to back up. We're going to go to the beginning of Luke 1. Uh, We read this last week as we talked about John's birth and who he would become, the story that we looked at last week as Mary visited with Elizabeth, John's soon-to-be mother, and they shared what Christmas is all about in that. So I want you to hear this. So let's go to Luke 1. It says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, before we go on, we talked a little bit about this last week. That this is just, this is such an incredible moment. It is so easy for us just to sort of move on to the story. We kind of know where it goes from here. We know the question that Mary's about to ask. But I want us to back up a second. Because I want us to think about this. And I want us to think about this whole idea of people announcing, sharing the birth of a child. Whether it's discreet, whether it's all-out extravagance, soon-to-be parents share emotions that come with finding out that they're about to be children. That's why we're about to be parents. That's why we share it with other people. Because there are some really fascinating emotions that go with parenting. There is joy, and there's incredible trepidation, right? There's this sense of oh, this is amazing. This is awesome. I can't believe I get to be a part of this miracle of life. And then you go, I'm not mature enough to be a part of this miracle of life. You have the moment where a baby is born in the hospital and the nurse hands the baby to you and you look at the baby and you go, wow, this is just incredible. And then you put them in this car seat and you walk out of the hospital and you put them in a car. And I remember looking at Jill going, are we allowed to do this? I mean, they just, they just give us a baby? And we just leave? I'm not mature enough to handle this. And there's all of this like trepidation about this, all of this worry, but the sense of wonder. And so I just, I think this is amazing because Mary gets all of this all at one time. And then baked into that 
is not just, oh, by the way, Mary, you're about to be a mother. Here comes the joy of motherhood. Here comes the trepidation of motherhood. Here comes all of the worry. Will I be a good mother? What am I supposed to do? How do I do this? And how do I raise this child? And what is that going to look like? And what about Joseph? And is he going to be a good dad to this child? And how does this work? And all of that. And then the angel goes on and says, well, listen, here's how this is going to be. You're going to give birth to a son. You're going to call him Jesus. And she says, okay. Well, first of all, I didn't expect that it would be an angel that would tell me that I'm going to have a baby. And then he says, you will, he will be called great. He will be called the son of the most high. She's probably going, what is going on? He goes on, the angel says, the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So can you imagine in like just a few short sentences, in just a little bit of a conversation, she goes from, you will be a mother. You will be the mother of Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah, the king who has been promised, and he will reign forever. And she has to sit there and just take all of this in and try to manage like all of those emotions. So I I love this, and I, I mentioned this last week, but I love this, that she responds and she says, how will this be? The question continues. She goes, how will this be since I am a virgin? She says, how will this be? Like, how logistically, how is this supposed to work? But then she says, how will this be? And I think there's so much caught up in what she's saying. How can this be? How how is this happening? And I I think that there's so much here in this question. And I I just think we have to look at that and think, how can this be? How can the Messiah be coming now? How can the, the Messiah be coming into my life? How is the Messiah going to be my son? How, how, how can this even be happening right now? And she has all of this. And she says, and, and wait a minute, hold on a second. She says, I, I'm, not, I'm not married. I, I'm engaged to be married to Joseph. How, how is this supposed to work? How is this going to happen? The angel goes on and answers some of her questions, begins to help her to understand this and says, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. She's probably thinking, what? I, I, I'm going to carry this child. It, 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 and it, it, from the Holy Spirit. And how do I explain this to people? How, how can this be? What do I, what do, I do with this? Can you imagine her questions? I mean, can you just begin to sort of like lean into how she's feeling? And then remember, she also is one of these people as a part of the Jewish people who had been praying and hoping for a Messiah to come. So all of this is sort of coming together. And I just can't imagine the emotions that she's trying to manage in all of this. Again, I look at my own kids and I think about them and I think who can they become and who will they be and there's all this hope and this expectation in them and she's got that and it's times like a thousand. How how am I supposed to raise the son of God? Then the angel goes on, he says, well, even Elizabeth, your relative is gonna have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. And we sort of see this just fascinating uh, interplay beginning to take place. 
Mary, in a few minutes, we'll talk about, goes on a pop-in visit to Elizabeth because she's so excited that Elizabeth is going to have a baby. And I just sort of wonder, how many conversations did they have? How many conversations have they had about this desire and this hope and this expectation? Elizabeth had waited year after year after year after year, and she never had that opportunity. And so you just wonder, as they sat together, as they talked about the hope of this, and she probably looked at Mary and said, well, someday it'll happen for you. And they probably had all of this, you know, conversation taking place. And so as Mary's sitting there wrestling with all of this, identifying as the mother of the Messiah, that all of a sudden the angel says, well, listen, there's a miracle. It's already taken place. Elizabeth, who you've had conversations with, you never expected to get pregnant. She's having a baby. And so we continue on and we see what this says. It says, and she who was said to be unable to conceive, she's in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary responds, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And so we get this really fascinating moment where she accepts it. I love thinking about the text, and I've talked to a friend about this a lot, that, you know, in these texts, we see these answers. We see Mary's faith. We see this response of, uh, you know, may it be fulfilled. May I be your servant. Yes, I will carry the Messiah. Yes, I'll, I'll do this. And then you just wonder, as she sat with that for a little bit, as she travels then to go visit Elizabeth, how did she begin to wrestle with all of that? Because you have to think, right, like in a moment where an angel comes to visit you, you'd probably be a little shocked, and then it would start to set in a little bit, and she's probably wondering, wow, what is happening? What is going on? It goes on, it says this, at that time Mary got ready, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. And there's our awesome, just incredible birth announcement that I think was probably so, because think about this, Elizabeth was already stoked. She's in the sixth month of her unexpected pregnancy. Mary comes in, now she's got, she's pregnant. They're just jumping around, like having an absolute party. They're in a small town village in the hill country. You know, so probably the windows are wide open and she's screaming out and she says, yes, blessed are you, Mary. Come on in. And she's screaming. And, you know, people down the street are probably going, what is going on at Elizabeth's house? Something is happening right now. And everybody is stoked and excited. And there's a party taking place. And she goes on, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What a fascinating statement. There's some conversation taking place here. She knows what is happening. She knows what's taking place. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And this is just, it's so cool to just begin to dig into this a little bit. I love the questions that we've been kind of asking about some of this and thinking about what kind of conversations were taking place behind the words on the page. What kind of conversations had Mary and Elizabeth had about this as they wrestled with this idea that Elizabeth's son would be the one who would pave the way for Jesus, who would begin to prepare the people for the kingdom of God and the repentance that comes with that, and then have Jesus come on the scene and to know that those two are interrelated to each other and they're going to be a part of one of the, well, the biggest moment in history, right? Well, here we go on and we see that Mary breaks out into song then. In one of the most amazing, 
most joyful, most hope-filled birth announcements of all time. Listen to this. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extend to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now, this is, this is so cool. I was just talking to a friend of mine this week that we don't see a lot of places where we get the actual songs in the Gospels. We have places that we see in the Bible where they talk about singing. We have all of the Psalms that we have singing. We have all of these places where uh, we know the Apostle Paul kind of talked about some of the different songs they have. We have maybe ideas of hymns that people sang. But here we get like a full-blown song as if it was some kind of musical that Mary was going into. So all these people in her small, the small town that Elizabeth was in, they're all, you know, hanging out, listening. Elizabeth, you know, opens the door. Mary comes in. They're shouting for joy, and everybody's going, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, it's like Mary grabs a karaoke machine, hits play, grabs her microphone. She starts singing this song, and she's going out in notes. And I imagine in my head, because I don't know what Mary sung like, but I imagine it's sort of like um, uh, uh, Dina Mazel that she goes into some huge thing, and it's got this big part at the end, and she's just belting this thing out. It's got like a frozen ending to it, and everybody just sort of sits back and looks at her and goes, wow, now that is a way to announce the birth of a baby. I mean, can you imagine like that? Like, I just want you to think for a second. Like, imagine, imagine that. Like, we make fun of all these people that are like, do these extravagant things to announce that they have a kid being born, but Mary... Man, she goes into this song. She starts singing. And this is, I mean, there's some stuff in here, guys. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Man, this is not just some normal song. This is not a normal song of her yelling out and just, you know, if I was writing this song, let me tell you what it would sound like. It'd be like, hey, I'm going to be a dad, all right, like that. I mean, it would be terrible. I'm not going to, you know, this is like, there's some theology in here. There's some depth in here. There's some like well thought out connections taking place here. I and mean, this is, there's some deep stuff taking place. And what we have is we have sort of a glimpse we don't really know how the song was written down or who began to write it down or what happened here. There's some theories, some ideas we can have. We can play with this a little bit. You know, maybe Mary, throughout her life, people came and said, so he's going to be the, he's the Messiah? Yeah, let me, let me tell you how I feel about this. Yeah, I wonder how many times she said this over and over and over again. 
How many times has she continued to make different connections about who Jesus was to become and who he was to be and how he was to play the, the role that he had? I mean, just think about that. You know, maybe at some point then Luke, who was an incredible uh, historian, he, he was all about details. You know, maybe as he interviewed her, he sat down. He said, tell me, tell me more about, about this. He's talking to different people that are involved in the, the story. You know, Luke is trying to figure all of this out. And what, what, how do we put this into words? Some theory is that, you know, this is a song that the early church would have sung. That was a hymn for them so that they could begin to celebrate in the way that Mary celebrated. Because remember, this isn't just Mary's song. This is Mary's song about the Savior of the world, our Savior. And again, it's amazing on so many levels. It's full of joy, excitement, hope. But it reveals something beyond just being a parent. In these words, Mary revealed her understanding that the baby in her womb was who the angel had promised in her womb was the Savior, the Messiah, the King, for whom generations had hoped and prayed for. One of my favorite writers puts it this way. Mary not only announces a birth, she announces the inauguration of a new kingdom. One that stands in stark contrast to every other kingdom, past, present, and future that relies on violence and exploitation to achieve greatness. Mary declares that God has indeed chosen sides. It's not with the powerful, but the humble. It's not with the rich, but with the poor. It's not with the occupying force, but with the people on the margins. It's not with narcissistic kings, but with an unwed, unbelieved teenage girl entrusted with the holy task of birthing, nursing, and nurturing the hope the world. I mean, isn't that amazing to begin to think about? Now, there are a lot of passages in the Bible that reflect on this reality. One of them is found in a letter to a group of people called the Galatians. And in this writing, uh, the apostle Paul wrote this to them. He said, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So we have this moment, and I just think this is so cool to see, where Mary celebrates. She announces who Jesus is. She, before anybody else has an opportunity to give commentary on who Jesus is going to be, she gets to do it. She says, He's brought down rulers. He's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things. He said the rich away empty. She goes on, she said, in the beginning, she said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She makes all these connections that this is the King. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior of the world. And then as time goes on, he's as he's born, as he grows up, as he begins to teach, I just, and I just imagine her just watching. It, he begins to teach. I love we see moments where, you know, Mary is a part of Jesus's life, even in his ministry. Fascinating moments. You know, these moments where you see him kind of look over and go, Mom, stop, you know. 
I just, I just love that about it because it's so human. It goes on, and we know that at his death and then his resurrection, as she stands there watching, and she knows all the richness and the depth of what's taking place. Again, this is the king, the Messiah. Three days after his death comes his resurrection, and I just wonder in those moments, as she hears the stories about what's taking place. We know that Jesus revealed himself. He showed up and to all these different people. We don't know who all. We don't get that part of the story, which is, again, just kind of crazy to be even begin to think about. You wonder, where was Mary and all of that? And how did, what did she see? And what did she happen to have? As people talked to her and said, what do you think of all of this? I, I wonder if she said again, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You know, I wonder if she looked and she realized, she says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My, my soul, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, as she thought about him in the womb. I wonder if he was, as he was a child, as he was a toddler, as he was walking around, she looks and she says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. As she saw him begin to teach and she was probably so proud of who he was as he sits on the side of a mountain teaching all of these people and says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. As he was on the cross, and man, she probably wrestled with it just like all of the other disciples, if even more. I wonder in those moments, did she look and say, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior in the middle of suffering, in the middle of not knowing, in the middle of being uncertain about what was going to happen next. And what did her faith look like in that moment? Did she say, my soul glorifies the Lord? And then, as the resurrection takes place, and as weeks go on and months go on, and people begin to worship together, I wonder how many people in the early church looked at Mary and said, hey, Mary, could you sing your song? And I wonder if Mary looked out at her friends that were gathered together as they worshiped together. And I wonder if she said, well, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And I wonder as time went on and as generations passed, I wonder if people in the church began to look and say, hey, do you, do you think we could sing Mary's song? Oh, yeah. We learned, my, my, my grandparents learned that from Mary. They were there. Well, how's it go? Well, it says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So this letter shows up to the Galatians, and they read this letter from Paul. And Paul says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And maybe as they're sitting around a table or gathered together, whatever way they are, maybe in that moment, then somebody looks over and says, yeah, in light of that, can we sing Mary's song? <laughs> that seems like an appropriate time at this part of the letter. Well, here's what Paul was trying to say to them. He's saying that by God sending Jesus, you and I find our way into the story. By God sending Jesus, you and I receive sonship. This means that you and I are a part of God's family. 
See, this means that all of a sudden this song of Mary, which is like her personal birth announcement of the birth of Jesus, turns into not just a song for Mary, but is a refrain for every single one of us. That her words now become our words as we all sing out, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Because this isn't just some birth announcement for Mary. The Christmas story is not only the miraculous birth announcement for Jesus, but it's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to experience your own rebirth. To discover that through Jesus, God was reestablishing a relationship with you, his child. The Heavenly Father waiting for you to join him, what he's doing in this world. And for some of us, that's unbelievable. For others, we want to believe, but we're not sure that we're worthy of being a part of this story. Maybe we look at this and we say, man, that sounds great, and that sounds incredible, and that's so good that that Mary was able to celebrate that with the people, and that that people listened to her and heard what she had to say, and, and as she announced that he was the Savior of the world, and as she believed in that as well, that's great for her, but you know, I just don't know. That, that's so unbelievable. That's so hard to believe. I, and I don't know, I don't know that I really belong in, in this part of the story. I, I don't know that I can accept that kind of invitation. But guys, think about this for a second. Mary was a young woman who, based on her culture, shouldn't have been having a child. She was a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph, and most people didn't see a miracle in her pregnancy. They saw a disgrace. But Mary knew. When she placed Jesus in a manger, a feeding trough, instead of a warm inn, I can't imagine the stairs. But Mary knew. When John announced that Jesus was the Messiah, people scoffed, they laughed, and they doubted. But Mary knew. When she saw Jesus on the cross, she mourned with her friends and his disciples. But she knew. And as the word of his resurrection spread, I can't imagine how she felt, but I know one thing. She knew. The hope of the world she knew as a baby, the world knew as a risen king. Mary was given the gift of being the mother of Jesus, and her song is not just a song celebrating her gift of becoming a mother, but of Mary recognizing that God was doing something incredible. Mary knew. So how many times in her life do you think as she walked through life, as she walked through the uncertainty, as she walked through the questions, as she looked at who Jesus was, how many times do you think she stopped and she just said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. See, and if Mary, if Mary's the one who, who brings us into this story, who invites us into this story with this birth announcement, what would it look like for you and I to join her in that? What if as we enter this time of hope, this in time of expectation, as we look at the birth of Jesus, we continue to sing this refrain in whatever melody it is in your head today. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Can we hear her song one more time? Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name, 
His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised. So the question I have for you today is this. Will you believe in the promises? Will you enter this story of hope, this story of expectation, this story of joy, and see that you too have been invited into the miracle of Jesus' birth in your life? And what would it look like for all of us to not just think about this story, not just think about Mary's song as a birth announcement for Mary, but a birth announcement that we all celebrate by accepting, by living it, by being people of joy. Can you imagine having that refrain over and over again? My soul glorifies the Lord. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It's kind of funny thinking about yesterday. All these people, man, Grumpy about everything. Refs making bad calls. Too much traffic. Can't get a place to eat. That was me, by the way, all of that. <laughs> but you know, sometimes I think that we get to this time of year and we're all just in that same place. Where's our joy? Where are those moments that we look and we say, look, you know, sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes things don't go the way we want them to go. Sometimes in this season, we do experience loss. We do think about mourning. We think about the people who aren't here with us. But we are to be people of joy. We live in the great in-between where we know that Jesus has come and he is coming again to restore this world, to bring absolute joy that we can't even begin to comprehend. So let's begin to live that out with those words. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that we have these stories, that we can read these and tie into them and see what Mary is having to teach us through this song. God, in this birth announcement, as she celebrates this with Elizabeth, May we be reminded to see the invitation that we have in our lives as well. To be people of joy in the season, to be, to be people of hope, to see the expectation of the Messiah has come. God, help us over these next few days to continue to reflect on this, to be people who um, see this true meaning of Christmas and the love and the joy and the hope and the peace you bring through Jesus, our Savior. It's your name that we pray. Amen.